In just under 300 days, Europeans will take to the polls in our unique and remarkable democracy. As with any election, it will be the time for people to reflect on the state of our union and the work done by those that represent them. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen addressed EU lawmakers in Strasbourg in a speech with pro-electoral aroma. Hello and welcome to Euractiv's Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evitori and this week we bring you a breakdown of the European Commission President's annual State of the Union speech. Ursula von der Leyen delivered the defense of her tenure as the chief of the European Commission on September 13th, emphasizing her role as an advocate for European citizens in areas such as the economy, climate change and migration during her State of the Union address. Previously hesitant to reveal her intentions regarding a second term post the 2024 European elections, von der Leyen sadly hinted at the possibility of seeking four more years in her speech in Strasbourg which marked her final State of the Union address before the upcoming June elections. While she refrained from introducing significant new policy initiatives, her focus primarily centered on international European matters, including the Green Deal and the European economy, while topics like EU's future expansion and potential treaty revisions were left for later discussion. The European Green Deal continues to be the centerpiece of EU strategy on environmental matters, with President von der Leyen talking about the next phase of the deal. Four years ago, the European Green Deal was our answer to the call of history. And this summer, the hottest ever on record in Europe was a stark reminder of that. Greece and Spain were struck by ravaging wildfires, And we're hit again only a few weeks later by devastating floods. And we saw the chaos and carnage of extreme weather from Slovenia to Bulgaria and right across our union. This is the reality of a boiling planet. The European Green Deal was born out of this necessity to protect our planet. But it was also designed as an opportunity to preserve our future prosperity. We started this mandate by setting long-term perspective with the climate law and the 2050 goals. We shifted the climate agenda to being an economic one. And this has given clear sense of direction for investment and innovation. And we have already seen this growth strategy delivering in the short term. The environment um, and, and climate The European Green Deal uh, was again one of the central elements of the speech of Ursula von der Leyen. You know, she was taking stock in a way of four years at the European Commission and the European Green Deal was the centerpiece uh, of that uh, European Commission. It was presented um, in December uh, 2019, so just a few weeks literally after the new Commission uh, was confirmed. Frederick Simon is Euractiv's Energy and Environment Editor. And she presented that European, uh, European Green Deal 
at the time as Europe's new growth policy. And so she was very determined, apparently, to demonstrate that this growth strategy had delivered, despite all the headwinds, the coronavirus crisis, uh, the Ukraine war, etc. She said Europe had has delivered uh, on all of that. Um, she cited the uh, this figure that 90% of what she promised when she came to office had now been uh, delivered and and the european green deal is 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 the centerpiece of this in the last 5 years the number of clean steel factories in the european union has grown from 0 to 38 we're now attracting more investment in clean hydrogen than the united states and china together and tomorrow i will be in denmark with prime minister mette frederiksen to see that innovation firsthand. We will mark the launch of the first container ship powered by clean methanol made with solar energy. This is the strength of Europe's response to climate change. The European Green Deal provides the necessary frame, incentives and investment, but it is the people, the innovators, the inventors, the engineers who develop the solutions. And this is why, honorable members, as we enter the next phase of the European Green Deal, one thing will never change. We will keep supporting European industry throughout this transition. They can rely on that. The main takeaway from, from our perspective, following environmental and climate policy for so many years, um, is that she announced what she uh, described as the next phase mm -hmm. of the European Green Deal. Some of that has already been uh, launched this year. It's going to be the industrial phase of the European Green Deal. So there were elements that were uh, launched already this year. There was a Critical Raw Materials Act, a Net Zero Industry Act. And she said the focus on industry is going to be the major part of the next phase. And in this context, uh, she announced a new initiative uh, for the wind sector. Uh, she mentioned as well uh, solar, even though there wasn't uh, anything uh, particular uh, to be mentioned uh, there. The only noticeable thing uh, and really new thing that she mentioned on top of this wind uh, initiative uh, is this investigation into unfair subsidies from China on electric vehicles. That is hugely significant uh, for the European Commission because they have exclusive competence uh, to do that, launching these in investigations on the internal market. Um, the way I interpret this, and I don't think you need to be, you know, uh, <laughs> so much uh, extrapolating to, to come to that conclusion is obviously we don't know whether von der Leyen will be presenting herself for a second mandate. She needs to be nominated first uh, anyway. She's not alone deciding this. She needs to be nominated by the German government. But she was clearly jockeying for that second term because highlighting the next phase of the European Green Deal was kind in a way for her to say, look, we've been really focused during this these four years to adopt all that legislation. We now need to move to the next phase, which is to implement it and make sure actually it happens on the ground. If you look at the European Green Deal, basically there are two key dates. One is 2030, because you're uh, trying 
to reduce emissions by minus 55% by 2030. And so next year, the next mandate starting in 2024, will bring the next European Commission to 2029. Mm -hmm. So that is almost 2030. And she was kind of positioning herself as the person who is best placed now to implement whatever was being adopted her strategy. during her own mandate. And all of that makes uh, makes sense, of course. Uh, but let's see now whether the German government <laughs> uh, thinks the same and whether the other governments uh, will think the same as well. One of the main challenges the European Union will have to tackle is its competitiveness, with von der Leyen announcing that she has asked Mario Draghi, one of Europe's most credible figures, to prepare a report on the Union's competitiveness. We need to look further ahead and set out how we remain competitive, and that is why I have asked Mario Draghi, one of Europe's great economic minds, to prepare a report on the future of European competitiveness because Europe will do whatever it takes to keep its competitive edge. So it was quite remarkable how much, uh, how strongly the focus was on competitiveness in this speech. It was expected, but still she she really basically only talked about competitiveness um, and never about, for example, the single market, the, the need for a level playing field. Janos allenbach Aman is Euractiv's economy and jobs editor. Uh, and these are, I think, real concerns as well from, for example, smaller member states who now, um, with this uh, subsidy splurge that we, we are seeing, especially from Germany and France, um, there is this fear of fragmentation and the fact that uh, Ursula von der Leyen did not mention this and really only talked about competitiveness and how to help companies, um, how to help them grow is, is, is quite remarkable nonetheless. So, but, but there is the thing about uh, her giving Mario Draghi this, um, this task of of doing this report, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a, of a coup uh, because he has, he has quite a lot of, uh, um, I don't know, he, he has quite a lot of credibility as the former ECB president, as the former Italian prime minister. He certainly knows a thing or two about, uh, about the economy and economic policies. And what is very interesting is that a week ago, he had uh, an op-ed in uh, at the Economist, in which he talked about uh, the wa ways to go towards a fiscal union. He, he talked about how to pool money, uh, how to pool sovereignty in the EU to go for um, common tasks, to to do common European tasks, investment tasks. Small companies do not have the capacity to cope with complex administration or they are held back by lengthy processes. This often means they do less with the time they have and that they miss out on opportunities to grow. This is why, before the end of the year, we will appoint an EU SME envoy reporting directly to me. One part of this whole competitiveness agenda is 
this uh, fear of for for the SMEs, the worry for SMEs and SMEs in, in EU speeches, they are always the darlings. Um, at least in the speeches, I don't know about the regulations. Um, and the SMEs have been really worried about all the regulation coming and uh, the reporting requirements that they have to do. And already last year, um, von der Leyen announced that there will be some relief for, for SMEs. And just yesterday, to just do it within the, the year, um, the EU Commission has actually presented a SME relief package. But part of it was just a communication announcing uh, some legislative ex action. There was also um, a tax proposal and a, a late payments uh, proposal that, that she already put on the ground. But what she now um, announced was that well, she reiterated uh, that there will be a legislative proposal for um, to to reduce reporting requirements for SMEs for EU level reporting requirements to reduce them by twenty five percent. This is quite difficult to 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 do. I think it will be difficult because it, this is not just one regulation so you, you probably have to adjust multiple regulations so this will be quite a complex task so let's see what, what will come out of that and then she also said that she would appoint a SME envoy that will uh, report directly to her so let's see what, what exactly this means she wants to she wants to signal that SMEs are very 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 important um, it there was this kind a similar kind of action already before there was the the Stoibel group um, against too much um, regulatory action overreach uh, in I think 2007 to 2014. Um, again, this there that was a it was a Bavarian a conservative Bavarian politician that then became the the head of this this group Edmund Stoibel. I guess it plays to a similar kind of crowd. It, she also plays to, to a more conservative, a more German crowd, because uh, yeah, in Germany, SMEs are even more darlings than, than they are in the EU in general. President of the European Commission announced the launch of an investigation related to unfair subsidies in the sector of Chinese electric vehicles, hinting that the Commission is aware that there is indeed a problem. We have to be clear-eyed about the risks we face. Take the electric vehicle sector. It is a crucial industry for the clean economy with a huge potential in Europe. But global markets are now flooded with cheaper Chinese electric cars. And their price is kept artificially low by huge state subsidies. This is distorting our market. And as we do not accept this distortion from the inside in our market, we do not accept this from the outside. So I can announce today that the Commission is launching an anti-subsidy investigation into electric vehicles coming from China. Easily the biggest announcement regarding transport was that the European Commission is going to uh, launch uh, an anti-subsidy investigation into Chinese electric vehicles. Um, von der Leyen said that they have been flooding the global market 
with cheap cars, and this is causing uh, serious issues for uh, EU car manufacturers. Sean Galding Carroll is Euractiv's transport editor. And she's worried that essentially the Chinese government is, um, you know, giving unfair subsidies to their own car makers, which means that uh, EU car manufacturers can't compete. What is understood is that they're going to, essentially the European, European Commission decided to do this. It wasn't a request from a car manufacturer. It wasn't a request from a member state. Um, although France has been putting a bit of pressure for some time and to kind of look into what China's doing. But really, this is an own initiative from the European Commission to launch this investigation. Um, the investigation should take about 13 months. Mm-hmm. After nine months, they have to decide if they're going to put um, temporary uh, customs duties, known as countervailing duties. And after 13 months, then they have to decide if they're going to place definite duties on um, the thing is, though, with these investigations, they don't, it's not really an investigation. I mean, they don't launch it and then, you know, they, they start looking into it and they realize, oh, there's actually no problem. They already know there's a problem. When they launch this, it means something is going to happen. So, um, I mean, the degree to which that they're going, they're going to place these uh, extra duties, which will, in effect, make Chinese uh, car imports more expensive, um, we'll need to see what the final figures will be. Another hot topic on the Commission's agenda is EU's enlargement, with Ursula von der Leyen highlighting the importance of seeing the Union expanding and being more complete. In a world where some are trying to pick off countries one by one, we cannot afford to leave our fellow Europeans behind. In a world where size and weight matters, it is clearly in Europe's strategic interest to complete our Union. So I think we all expected von der Leyen to address enlargement. The question was more how far will she go into detail and if at all. It was definitely one of the more anticipated issues um, that everyone expected had to raise, especially after European Council President Michel a few weeks ago came out so strongly and somewhat surprisingly in favor of a 2030 accession target. Alexander Brzozowski is Euractiv's editor for Global Europe. Von der Leyen basically run the European Commission's usual enlargement talking points home by stressing that accession is merit-based and her house would um, do always defend this principle. But she also once again came out backing EU membership for Ukraine and also name-checked a few other countries. But after the accelerating enlargement debate of the past month, those who had been actually looking for her to go into finer details were disappointed probably. She struck quite a cautious tone and steered rather clear of any debate about timelines and the size of the bloc's future expansion, which might have been quite smart after Michel had gone like a bull at the gate uh, with the 2030 target. One of the most important parts of VDL's speech regarding enlargements focused on the pre-enlargement policy reviews that are set to prepare the candidate states to join the union. She did say she had tasked the commission with uh, coming forward with a series of pre-enlargement policy reviews to prepare for the accession of new members, including an examination of how EU institutions would look in an enlarged EU, which effectively opens the door for a possible EU treaty change if needed. I mean, several EU lawmakers had pitched um, some of the far-reaching proposals for treaty change, but many member states have been so far very opposed uh, to the idea. Um, But von der Leyen also said she was not opposed to the idea of the bloc proceeding with enlargement even without treaty change. So most likely we will see a first taste um, of that debate when EU leaders meet in Granada in three weeks, uh, where they can have 
an informal debate about enlargement and what the EU's own reforms uh, should look like. Although the migration policy was not prominent in von der Leyen's speech, she stressed the necessity for collaboration regarding migration, announcing that together with EU's High Representative Jose Borrell, they are looking into new strategies. We need to show the same unity of purpose towards Africa as we have shown towards Ukraine. This is a must. We need to focus on cooperation with legitimate governments and regional organizations. And this is why, together with HRVP Borrell, we will work on a new strategic approach to take forward at the, new, at the next EU-AU summit. One of the uh, most important messages about the Pact of Migration and Asylum, uh, which is uh, um, uh, very heavily present in the debate of the European Union regarding migration nowadays. Eleonora Vasquez is Euractiv's reporter on politics. And there are different reasons about that. First of all, the pact is a series of different legislative files uh, that the European Union wants uh, to approve before the end of this mandate, which will happen in June 2024. Uh, there is a window of opportunity to have, for the first time in history, a European manage of migration. And for European management, I mean in particular the reception and the management of of the people arriving uh, in Europe um, and, uh, for example, going to uh, different other countries. Uh, the problem is uh, migration is also a topic very uh, in the political debate. And for political debate, I mean electoral campaigns. As in, it's very instrumentalized and also the pact itself is instrumentalized. So this uh, instrumentalization, it is bringing a lot of political pressure on the legislative path of the migration path. And uh, we always talk about uh, um, solidarity and the polarization among uh, different uh, political leaders on the solidarity. But it's not only about solidarity, it's about screening, it's about detention, family reunification, crisis management, reception, uh, first arrival, um, management of secondary movement, and and so on and so forth. So there are a lot of other issues that are, are not debated at all. Of course, von der Leyen pushes for approving this pact uh, in this window of opportunity also because we have uh, two presidencies that are um, more, um, I would say, uh, in uh, favor of finding a European approach to migration, such as Spain and Belgium governments. Afterwards, we will have uh, more conservative uh, council uh, of uh, uh, presidency of the EU, which are, uh, for example, uh, Hungary and Poland. Digitalization is an involving matter for the EU, with Ursula von der Leyen praising the good work of her house on AI and digitalization, mentioning, however, that there are risks that the EU has to mitigate. The internet was born as an instrument of, for sharing knowledge, opening minds and connecting peoples, people. It still is. But it has also given rise to serious challenges, disinformation, spread of harmful content, risk uh, to the privacy of our data. All of this led to a lack of trust and sometimes a breach of fundamental rights of people. In response, Europe has become the global pioneer of citizens' rights in the digital world. 
The DSA and DMA are creating a safer digital space where fundamental rights are protected. And they are ensuring fairness and clear responsibility for big tech. This is an historic achievement, and I think we should be proud of it. So for the DMA, which is the Digital Markets Act, um, the online services de uh, designated as gatekeeper, gatekeepers was revealed on, on the 6th of September, which uh, these will have six months to adapt to an antitrust practices or face up to 20% global annual turnover fines. Julia Tar is Euractiv's reporter on technology. Regarding the DSA, which is the Digital Services Act, this is the 25th of August. The legislation has been enforced, but only for very large online platforms and very large uh, search engines. And it will be enforced for every other platform by the 24th of February next year. Until then, the platforms um, it does not apply to. Uh, the national authorities are still the regulators. While for the very large online platforms and very large search engines, it is the European Commission. We put forward the AI Act, the world's first comp comprehensive pro-innovation AI law. Our AI Act is already a blueprint for the whole work. We must now focus on adopting the rules as soon as possible and turn to implementation. This is the verse first of, uh, of its kind. And uh, it's moving into uh, its final stages with the next political trilogues taking place on the 3rd and the 26th of October. And the Spanish presidency hopes to reach a deal during these trilogues ahead of next year's election. President von der Leyen took the chance to thank her house for the work on gender equity. And as an upcoming goal for the remaining time of her mandate, she would like to cast into law the proposal on combating violence against women. I would also like to thank you for the groundbreaking and pioneering work we did on gender equity. As a woman, this means a lot to me. I know this House supports our proposal on combating violence against women. And here too, I would like that we cast into law another basic principle. No means No, there can be no true equality without freedom from violence. This directive was presented by the European Commission and, as its name says, is uh, addressed like its aim to tackle violence against women, focusing maybe mainly on prevention, protection and prosecution. And it comes in this last part, the controversial topic, which uh, Ursula von der Leyen addressed, saying me no means no. And the controversy in this file is whether or how to include rape in the directive. The Commission and the Parliament are calling to include rape as a crime, while the Council eliminated the article from Commission proposal that includes non-consensual sex act as a criminal offence. So there's the division. For the Parliament, including rape in the directive, it's a red line, as they said. So it looks like the negotiations are going to be a bit difficult. The Council is arguing that including rape as a criminal criminal offense, it's overarching EU competencies, because it is true that legally rape is not considered a Euro crime. 
so the EU doesn't have to deal with it. However, it showed von der Leyen and rapporteurs of the report from the parliament, they are all against the council, is not sure how the council is going to start with these trialogues and these decisions. Some member states agree on rape, some member states don't. So, yeah, for now, it looks like it's everyone against the council. And MEPs have welcomed von der Leyen's, von der Leyen's words on this issue. And that's all for this week. I am Evi Kiori, and this was Euractiv's Beyond the Byline podcast. Visit Euractiv to stay on top of the latest news. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on your favorite podcasting app. Thank you for tuning in, and until next week.